Guys, for four weeks, this is our fifth week, for four weeks we've been talking about how we can rebuild brokenness in our lives, how we can rebuild brokenness in our city, how we can rebuild brokenness in our country and in the world. Because COVID has left so much destruction the economy, people's finances, relationships that have hit an all-time high with divorce rate, all kinds of things have been falling apart, and that is not the way God wants it. And we've been reading from the book of Nehemiah about a wall that was destroyed for more than 140 years around the city of Jerusalem, and one man responded to the call to fix that wall. One man. And we've been learning from his story, and today we're going to continue, but I first want to tell you a story. A couple of years ago when we, um, at our previous church, Stefan, um, I've got a bad feedback here on my mic, so a couple of years ago, um, we got two Great Danes. I love those two dogs. Great Danes are awesome. They are gentle giants, and no one messes with you because the dog is so big, they are afraid that the dog is going to kill them. Meantime, the only thing it might do is just lick you to death. But we adopted them, okay? These two Great Danes were given away because the owners couldn't manage them. So I started doing a lot of research about Great Danes, and what I read was the same thing over and over. Because it is such a huge dog, from day one, you have to have very good discipline and very good boundaries. If you don't, the dog will jump up on you, and it won't just jump up, it will jump you over. The dog will bump everything of your kitchen because his head is literally as tall as your kitchen counter. So basically what everyone was saying is these dogs need boundaries, and if they can't live within the boundaries, what's going to happen is people will keep giving them to the SPCA. And that made me think like rules, the importance of rules and boundaries and discipline in our lives. Most of us have some form of issue with rules, right? And normally... Our issue is with rules that does not make sense to us. So if you're driving into the city of Cape Town and the speed limit is 80 on a big open road, I just see people cruising past at 100 because like this rule doesn't make sense. But the moment someone is in an accident, like, oh, that is why there was an 80 kilometer zone an hour. Like this is what's going on. And this is the interesting thing about rules. Rules are so important. We cannot go without them. But if they don't make sense to us, we don't always want to follow them. Now, Nehemiah, these walls were broken down for 140 years. In the middle of that, 70 years after the walls were broken down in war, the the Jewish people moved back to the city to rebuild the temple, but they couldn't get themselves to commit to rebuilding the walls. It just seemed too big. So Nehemiah commits to this build. But what I want to do today is I want to read to you at the beginning of Nehemiah and at the end. Because when Nehemiah got this call from God to go and rebuild, something went through his mind and he realized we've missed something significant and that is why we are at the position we are in. And I want to read to you from Nehemiah 1 verse 8 to 9. So Nehemiah got the call, he wept about the walls that were broken for days, then he starts this prayer and he prays this in Nehemiah 1 verse 8 to 9, he says, remember the instruction, God, that you gave your servant Moses. Now, Moses lived hundreds of years earlier, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the nations. 
But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Guys, when I read this, I see Nehemiah in a moment that he realizes I've got brokenness that I need to rebuild. He goes back a couple of hundred years to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 1 to 4, where God gives this command to Moses. And you might believe, what has this to do with rebuilding our lives? Nehemiah realized in that moment that there is a direct link between where they were finding themselves, the situation they were in, and their relationship with God. So Nehemiah looks at the brokenness and he's like, there's a link between the walls that are all broken and the relationship of the people of God with him. There's a direct link. Not obeying God has led to broken down walls. It could have been easy for the Israelites, for the Jewish people of that time to blame God for the broken down walls. They could have said, God, but you were supposed to protect us. God, you were supposed to make these walls impenetrable. You were supposed to, to take care of your people. What is wrong with you, God? Why didn't you save my marriage? God, why didn't you take care of my finances? Where were you when we were in the crisis? But what Nehemiah realizes in this moment is God gave them rules to protect them. And because they broke those rules, the walls are broken down. If you're like, Louis, how does that work? This is how I always explain it to, to youth in our, in our kids, in our youth ministry when I was a youth pastor. I told them this. If you want to make a note, write this down. God's laws are protective, but not restrictive. A lot of people will tell me over the years, like, I don't want to be a Christian because there's so many rules. Actually, there's not so many rules. Christianity is not about following rules. It's about following Jesus, and it brings change to our lives. You see, but there are some rules, and what's interesting, the Ten Commandments that God gave directly to Moses, you can go to any country in the world, whether they are Christian, whether they are not Christian, and I can assure you that in some way or another, the Ten Commandments will be part of the laws of the country, like you're not supposed to murder people, you're not supposed to steal, because no matter what tribe, no matter what culture, no matter what law system they're following, everyone realized that this is bad. If we do those things, we're going to see a broken down society. But if we obey them, we will see a society that can flourish. And that is what Nehemiah realized. God's laws are protective. That is what I know that Abigail, my daughter of two years old, doesn't understand yet. She's like, why do I have to follow dad's rules? And I'm like, because I want to protect you. Because I want you to flourish. I want you to live a life of purpose. I want you to live the life that God wants you to live. So today we are at, this, at the fifth topic and the final topic of our series, and our topic today is commitment to the build. Because for the last four weeks, we have heard that God makes a commitment to us to help rebuild brokenness in our lives. We've heard that God can do a miracle in your marriage. We've heard that God can do a miracle in your finances. God is a God of miracles. God is a God for whom the impossible is possible. That is God's commitment. But there's also a commitment from our side that we need to make. We're like, God, if we want to see our lives rebuilt the way you want it to be rebuilt, then we also need to live the way you want us to live. You see, the Jewish people could have, all of them could have told you exactly what the law said. Because by the time a boy was 13 years old, most of them would have been able to quote the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament to you. 
So they knew by heart what God's law said. And those same Jewish people would also be able to tell you that they didn't obey God's law. And he might okay, there's the link. The link is broken. What on earth do we do? We've talked about having a plan. We've talked about, about you having a heart for brokenness, about building with passion, about giving it your everything, whatever you need to rebuild in your life. We've talked last week about trusting God, looking back, seeing his provision, and going into the future with the knowledge that the God who provided in the past will provide to you in the future. But we need to do something significant, and we need to commit. And hear what Nehemiah and the people did. So if you have been following along, there was a challenge. Read through the book of Nehemiah. And today we will be reading from chapter 10 to chapter 13, snippets out of that. And Nehemiah 10, verse 28 to 29 All the people gathered. They decided to make an oath. They're like, this broken relationship between us and God, we need to fix that in order to see our nation flourish. And this is then what they did. Then the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people. Pagan people are people who did not believe in God. So all of them who separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse upon themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commandments, regulations, and decrees of the Lord their God. Because what is so interesting to me is they look at the brokenness that their nation are in. Because remember, they are still living under the rule of a Persian king. So the nation, the people of God, hasn't, they haven't seen the repair to their nation that are hopeful. The temple is restored, the walls are restored, but there's still brokenness. And they're like, what do we need to do? They're like, we need to make a commitment. That's what we need to do. We need to commit to build the way that God wants us to build. And guys, I think, and I'm saying this as someone who likes rules, who likes programs, who likes things to happen in order. I'm a person, if I commit to something, I do it. And if I don't commit to it, I don't do it. And as someone who doesn't find it super hard to commit, I must honestly tell you that it is hard to sometimes commit to certain things. It's not hard when we commit to a two-year contract for a cell phone. It's not hard when we commit to a five-year contract to pay off a car. It's not super hard to commit to a 20 or 30-year contract to pay off a house. But the moment I have to commit to a life partner in marriage, then people start struggling. The moment I have to commit to the God of the universe to live my life the way He wants, then I'm like, yeah, I don't know if if I'm up for this. See, we struggle to commit to certain things, and I believe Christians struggle to commit their lives fully to Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian, you might not have made that decision, but if you are a Christian, like me, you might struggle with this as well. We talk the talk, we go through the rituals, we're in church on a Sunday, we try to read our Bible and do the right things. But the question here is not whether we do it just outwardly, the question is inwardly. When it comes to the deepest part of our lives, when it comes to our obedience to God, are we truly committed to it? 
Nehemiah looked at the people and they're like, listen, we are not super committed. But if we want to rebuild the city, if we want to see our nation become all that God intended it to be, we need to live the way God wants us to live. And that's the first thing I want you to, to remember today. Your life cannot be rebuilt the way God intends if you do not live the way He wants. So let me make that simple. Your marriage will never flourish. It will never be what God intended it to be if you do not live in a marriage the way God wants. Of husband and wife submitting to each other, of always putting the other person above themselves. You will not see the marriage that God intended if you're not willing to step into the marriage. You will not see your sexual life flourish unless you're willing to live And to enjoy your your sexuality the way that God intended it to be enjoyed. You will not see your finances flourish if you don't budget. And you don't spend the way that God intends you to spend. If you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. We've we've done a series this this year about work. We've done a series about habits. We've done a series about relationships. So you can go back on podcasting. You can go back to YouTube and you can listen to all of it. But this is the point. If we, do not, if we want to see our lives, our marriages, our city, our country rebuild the way that God intends it to be, to be, we need to start living the way God wants us to live. You might be like, how do I do that? How do I get to a level of commitment where everything I do starts to line up? Where I start to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And we see that the, that the Jewish people did four things. The first thing. They, they made their decision to commit visible. You know, often people are like, you know, I follow Jesus. It's kind of like a personal thing. It doesn't have anything to, to do with anyone. That's not the way Christianity is, is portrayed to us in the Bible. The moment that these people decided to make a commitment, if you go back to chapter 9, the last verse, verse 38, they didn't just say, oh, we're going to commit. They did a written document. They wrote it down on paper so that they will not forget. Hundreds, thousands of years before this, when God committed himself to Abraham and Abraham committed himself to God, what was the visible symbol? On eight days old, a boy was circumcised. That was a visible symbol for all the people across the world that the Jews had a commitment, that the Israelites had a commitment towards God. As Christians, what is our visible symbol? Baptism. The Bible is like, if you follow Jesus, that's an inward decision, then there's an outward expression, and that is baptism, where we tell the world, I'm not keeping this private. I am going to be accountable. I want to tell everyone that I've made a commitment. That is our contract that we sign when we get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, we would love to, and, and you follow Jesus, we would love to help you with that. So fill in a connection card at the connection table. Go to to our our website. Even if you're watching online, we'll see what we can do no matter where you are in the world. Brodea.org.za slash connect. Fill it in. We'll go through the details with you. But baptism for us is a visible symbol as for them it was a written document. So first we want to tell the world, I'm committed. This is not just something I'm saying. This is something I'm putting into paper. The second thing they did is they set up accountability. Chapter 10, verse 1 to 28, you can go and read it. It's literally a list of names, 28 verses long. 
They were like, we cannot do this on our own. We're making a corporate commitment. Because on our own, no matter how disciplined you are, you will stray. You will wander away from God's path that He had planned for your life. You will sometimes fail. Why? Because we're human. We're not perfect. You see, but when we have accountability, then the moment I start to wander away, my friend hooks his arm around mine and he pulls me back and he's like, Louis, remember the commitments you made. And that is why at Prodeo, we have community groups. Because here on a Sunday, we're not a super big church yet, but you're just a number if you're sitting in a pew and no one knows you and no one, and no one has, you don't have accountability to anyone. But the moment we gather together in community groups, in smaller groups, that's where friendship develops. That's where we keep each other accountable. My coach the other day explained to me this concept of how people buy into church. And there's three levels that needs to happen. The first is the relationship with Jesus. That's something that I cannot force you to have. We can try to take anything away that might prevent you from having a relationship with your Savior and your Creator. But you have to grow in that dynamic yourself. The second dynamic that we are looking at is a friendship dynamic. Now let me tell you why people come to church and they never come back. Because they didn't make friends. So this is something interesting that happens. When people have a friend in church, sometimes they, feel, they will feel like they don't want to come to church. I like want to sleep in, it's raining, I'm a little lazy. And then they will think like, oh, my friend is going to be at church and I'm feeling so guilty to not be there with them. So I'm going to go because I don't want, to, I don't want them to be there alone. And you're like, Lou, but that's not the right reason to go to church just so that, my, that, I, that I'm there with my friend. It doesn't matter if it's a wrong reason. It matters that you come, that you've got accountability, because as we grow through that, the third dynamic happens, and that's identity dynamic, where this isn't someone else's church, where this becomes your church, where like, I am part of the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm part of his body. This is mine. I've got responsibility here. I want to help change the world. You need to have friends, Christian friends, who keep you accountable. On your own, you will stray. The third thing they did, they took this serious. Okay, if you go read verse 29, they made an oath to God, and they said, if we do not stick to this, they call, then they call down a curse on themselves. If this is not something they did lightly. They're like, if we do not follow God, it's okay for, if a curse hits us. It's, it's fine. If our walls are broken again, it's fine if like, I've got illness in my family. It's fine if bad stuff happened because I made a commitment. Now, I'm not telling you to go and make such an oath and say, like, God, it's fine. Curse me if I don't follow you. What I want you to see is how serious they took this. The relationship with God wasn't just like one of the hundreds of things they had to do every day. You know, I've got work and I've got family and I've got a house. And, and like somewhere at the bottom, I've got God. No, they were like, this is a priority. Because if Jesus is not center in my life, my life will not be built the way he meant it to be. I will always lack something. I will always be discontent. I will never have enough. I will never be satisfied. So Jesus needs to be center. So let me ask you this morning, how serious are you about the repairs you want to make in your life? How serious are you about the repairs you want to see happening in our city and in our country? And then the follow-up to that is, how serious are you about your relationship with God? 
Because often we desire God's blessing. We pray for God's blessing. But we don't want to make the commitment that's necessary to see that blessing. The fourth thing they did was they identify what needed to be changed. You cannot sign a job contract if you do not know what the job description is, right? You need to know what I'm going to do before I can sign the contract. These guys from verse 32, verse 39, they are going through everything. They are like, what wasn't in line with God's will for our lives? They talk about marriage. Is my marriage, is my relationship with someone where God wants us to be? They talk about Sabbath. These guys were serious about resting. We did a whole series about resting at the beginning of the year. We struggle to rest. We've got so much noise because of these little things in our lives that we struggle to rest. They're like, we need to take rest in God serious. They talk about work, about how they're going to approach their work, and they're not going to work, uh, they're not going to do things that clashes with their relationship with God. They talk about the tithing, about the offerings, so the finances, how they, they do that. You can go and read it yourself. They talk about serving in the temple. They literally go through all these things, and like, this wasn't in line with God's will for our lives, so we need to bring it into alignment. You cannot rebuild your life the way God wants if you do not live the way He wants you to. You cannot live the way He wants you to live if you do not know what is not in alignment with what He wants. So they made this commitment. They made it visible. They set up accountability. They took it serious. They identified what needed to change. But guess what? This is, I think, one of the biggest things that happens with new Christians. We are like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to see the life change that everyone is talking about. And then we make a commitment. We get baptized. We go full out for a week or two. And then it just kind of goes away. And we forget about it. You see, a commitment doesn't just work out on its own. It actually, and it's not just a one-off thing. It actually takes significant work. And I want to show you, they made this serious commitment, okay? Was it perfect from there on? No, it wasn't. Nehemiah 13, verse 6 to 9. Hear what happens. This is a short while later. Nehemiah had to go back to the Persian king. So he's just gone for a little while, and then this happened. I was not in Jerusalem at the time, for I had returned to King Arthur Xerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign. Though I later asked his permission to return. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Elisha's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyard of the temple of God. You might be like, Lou, what's the issue? The temple of God was not there for people to live in it. Okay, that was the rules. I became very upset and I threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. Then I demanded that the rooms be purified and I brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain, the offerings and the frankincense. Just a short while after they made this commitment. A sh- okay, what's going on? Okay. A short while after they made this commitment. They get it wrong again. The rooms, the storerooms that are supposed to be for God's purposes, for, for the stuff of the temple. They move all of God's stuff out of the way and they move their own stuff in. They move someone else in. They got it wrong again. And I want to tell you today. No matter how committed a person you might be, you might say, I'm going to make my commitment to God visible. I'm going to have accountability. I'm going to take it serious. I'm going to find out what needs to change. I'm going to change it. You will fail again. Just like I will fail again. 
Because we are human and that means we are not perfect. The Bible says if you believe you're without sin, if you think you're, per- you're perfect, the Bible literally says this, then you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Because the only perfect person to ever walk the earth and that will ever walk the earth was Jesus himself. So I am selling you big on this idea that we need to commit to God, that we need to put everything in place to follow the way he wants us to follow. But at the same time, I'm telling you today, I won't perfectly follow him and you will not perfectly follow him. Because we're human and we all make mistakes. Just like the Jewish people did. See, a commitment is easy to make, but it's hard to keep. And it was hard to keep for them as well. I want to tell you today, the easiest way to destroy something in your life is to just neglect it. You want to see your marriage fall apart? Just neglect it. You want to see your finances fall apart? Just neglect it. Don't care about what you spend your money on. You want to see your spiritual life, your relationship with Jesus fall apart? Just neglect it. It's the same for everything in life. You want to be super unfit? Just neglect your health. You want your car to broke down? You don't have to, to drive it into a wall. You just neglect it. Don't change the oil. It will break. You want to see your garden growing back into a mess? Just don't cut your grass. Neglect it and it will fall apart. Whatever we would neglect will be destroyed after time. And Nehemiah knew this. And sometimes we make mistakes, but we shouldn't neglect. We should be intentional about following in the way of Jesus. We should make healthy habits part of our life. We should include it being part of a church community. We should include reading our Bibles. We should include accountability. We should include spending time with God. All of those things that we've spoken about, our healthy habits at the beginning of the year in our habits series, that should be part of our life. So we should say, like, what can I build in? What, what habits do I need to build in my, into my life to make sure that I don't neglect my relationship with God? But even if you have that in your life, you will still sometimes stray, you will still fall. And the question is not if we will fall, the question is what do we do when we fall, Bruce Wayne? We get back up. One of my favorite parts from, from Batman, right? When you stray, set it right immediately. Nehemiah was away for a little while. People forgot about the commitment they made to God. They neglected it for a little while, and it kind of went out the back door, so they made a mistake. Nehemiah comes back. He's like, oh, made a mistake. What do we do? Don't have to go crazy. We just need to set it right immediately. So what do they do? Verse 8. All the bad stuff is thrown out. Tobiah and all of the stuff that they brought into the temple that doesn't belong there is taken out. And all the stuff that's supposed to be in there is put back in. So you will make mistakes. That's okay. But if you make a mistake in your marriage, set it right immediately. If you make a mistake with your finances, set it right immediately. If you make a mistake at work, set it right immediately. If you made a mistake in your relationship with God and you started to neglect Him, that is okay. Just set it right immediately. We're not a slave to our sin. We're not a slave to our mistakes. Jesus has already died for that. You're already free. Just set it right. So I want to tell you today, you might be listening to all of this and you're like, you just don't know about some of the brokenness in my life. 
I have tried so hard to rebuild some of this, but it feels like my life is cursed. It feels like my marriage is cursed. I, it feels like my finances, it, is, uh, my finances are cursed. If you feel like something in your life is so broken that there is just no turning around, I want to tell you it's never hopeless. Nehemiah started in chapter 1, and he's like, there's a gap between us and God, and that is why our lives are broken. So we're going to close this gap off. We're going to close this gap so that we can rebuild our lives the way God wants and then he gets to chapter 13, and he talks about these nations that literally cursed them. They didn't just feel like there was a curse on them. These nations actually cursed them. But because their relationship with God was repaired, because they serve a God that has been faithful throughout their history, because they serve a God for whom nothing is impossible, this is what he ends Nehemiah, the last chapter of Nehemiah, this is how he ends his own story. Verse 2, our God turned the curse into a blessing. You might feel like there's no hope left. You might feel like your life is so broken it will never be repaired. Like there's no hope for a relationship with your child. Like they will never turn to Jesus. You might feel like your, your finances will just never be okay. You might feel like South Africa will never be okay. I don't know what you feel is so bad that it will never be okay. Those things that we see as curses. I want to tell you our God is in the business of not taking the curse away, but of turning a curse into a blessing. So God doesn't do half a job. When Jesus died on a cross, he didn't do half a job. He did it perfectly. And the curse that rested on our lives because of our sin that the Bible says the penalty is death. Jesus wiped that out. He said, not only will I take it away, I will give you eternal life. I will repair your relationship with the Father. We serve a God that does nothing halfway. And no matter what you are facing, go and re-listen to this whole series about re rebuilding. No matter what you are facing, Commit to God because if you commit to the way, to live the way He wants, He commits to you to turn your curses into a blessing. That's not me saying it. That's what God is saying through His Word. This was a crazy hard week for us. We had so many issues with our house that's being sold and like moving into a new place and like all kinds of issues. I can, I can tell you about this. It will take me at least an hour. And every single day when I felt the stress and the anxiety build up and I'm like, God, is this house cursed? Like, what's going on here? I had to remind myself of everything we spoke about. I had to remind myself that God provided in the past, He will provide again. I, had to re I have to remind myself that my God turns curses into blessings. I don't know where you are, but there's no curse stronger than God. Some of you might... Feel like there's a family curse on you. I've heard that so many times. God is bigger than that. If you feel you're stuck under that, I want to tell you, you need to relook at your relationship with Jesus. Does the Bible talk about it? Yes. In Exodus, 
we don't follow God, we will be cursed to the third generation. But guess what? It says if we follow God, our generations, still the thousands, thousands and thousands of generations after us will be blessed. No matter what you believe about it, in Jesus, every curse is broken. In Jesus, every curse is turned into a blessing. There is hope for your life. There is hope for your marriage. There is hope for your finances. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you turn curses into blessings. That nothing is impossible for you. I pray this morning, God, for every person listening to this. You know what they're facing. You know what's causing anxiety. You know what's what's filling them with fear. You know what feels like a curse in their lives. You know the brokenness they're facing that they feel will never be repaired. And as I'm praying this, I want to ask you, if you're listening to this, at this moment, think about the thing that you feel is hopeless. Bring that to the front of your your mind at this moment, and let's pray about it. Jesus, we pray this morning for all of the brokenness that we can imagine this morning. We pray this morning for marriages to be repaired. I pray for relationships that are not in line with your word, for people to bring it in alignment with your word. God, I pray for for sexuality to be realigned with you. I pray for finances to turn around, to be aligned with, with your purpose for it, God. I pray for our country, for the brokenness, for corruption. I pray against evil, against crime, against racism, against all these things, that it will turn around, that it will come into alignment with your word. I pray for a blessing over our country. I pray for a blessing over our nation, over families, over individuals. I pray, God, that we will see everything that seems like a curse, that it will turn into such a blessing. That people will only be able to say that is the living God that turned it around. But I also pray this morning, God, that we will will make that commitment to you. I pray that we will stick to that commitment, that we will take it serious. That you will show us the things in our life that are not in alignment with you. And that we will try and give our best to follow in the footsteps of Jesus every day. We pray it in your name alone. Amen.